You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. So Acts chapter 1, uh, please turn in your Bibles there. Uh, greetings at home. It's always good to uh, be together in worship. And so we're starting a series, and the title is very important, Being the Church. And I want you to think about that phrase just for a moment, being the church. And if you're taking notes, page 5, there's a sermon outline. We typically give you opportunity to do that. But being the church, I would like to suggest, is more about our identity than our methodology. Now, I'm not poo-pooing methodology. It's very important. Uh, It's a big deal. And we're going to see some methods in the book of Acts of how the church really exploded throughout the Mediterranean Roman world. However, I think, as we've already suggested through the idea of the book of Galatians, it's really about our identity. We are in Christ, and that changes everything. It starts on the inside. We have a new heart. The Spirit of God, as we're going to see much in the book of Acts, lives and indwells and empowers us for kingdom work. And so when you think about the book of Acts, I want you to think about identity, who we are, not necessarily what we do, but who we are will always have implications, as Tina said, to how we live. And so, Acts chapter 1. Now, the title of this morning's message, Being on Mission. And I selected that very strategically. Why? Because I wanted to uh, bridge the gap between the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Why? Acts is continuity from Luke. It's the same author. It's the same individual being written to. His name is Theophilus. He's an influential uh, leader in the ancient world. And so basically Luke, from gospel, 24 chapters, to Acts, 28 chapters, wrote a remarkable amount of the New Testament. So we're going to get to know Luke a little bit deeper. We're going to see his heart for mission. Now, we have been, folks, in Luke for quite some time. How many of you would agree it's good to be past the Gospel of Luke? Let me see your hands. I get a few elders every now and then be honest with me. Glad I'm done with Luke. So, but we're not done with Luke because we're an Acts, right? But here's the deal, folks. The continuity is enormous. And at the most macro level, the continuity is mission. Would you agree that Jesus lived on mission with and for his father? Do you remember when we were in Nazareth, his hometown? He preaches his first sermon. He opens the scroll from Isaiah chapter 61, and he says this. He got in trouble. Today, this scripture is being fulfilled in your midst. Remember that? And they wanted to push him off a cliff. You think you're the Messiah? Yes. He declared himself to be the Messiah who would do what? Set the captive free. And then Luke unfolds for another 20 chapters showing freedom in Christ because the gospel's good news. It changes us from the inside out. Do you remember the prostitute who walked in on a meal? Washes Jesus' feet with perfume or hair. 
the whole Simon of Pharisees really frustrated. And Jesus said, listen, Simon, when I came, you didn't wash my feet, but here's this gal, broken over her sin, worshiping me. That's the picture here. And then you go to that great parable we looked at, Luke 15, one lost coin, one lost sheep, one lost son. Actually, there was two. And then Luke 19, a chief tax collector named Zacchaeus, hated by all, not Jesus. Today I must stay at your house. He's on mission. Luke 19.10 sums it all up. The Son of Man came to seek and to save lost people. And then if we still don't get it, here he is hanging at Calvary. Father, forgive them. One of the two thieves repents. Today you'll be with me in heaven, in paradise. That's mission. He's being crucified and he's still preaching the good news. Today, I'll see you for all eternity in glory. So you know what happens? Luke 24 closes with a promise the Holy Spirit's coming, wait in Jerusalem. Acts chapter one opens with the promise being fulfilled. There is absolute continuity between these two books. Now, you, like me, always need a break from sitting, especially on these cushy, non-cushy chairs. So stand with me, and uh, we're just going to read Acts 1, 1 through 8, hopefully get the blood circulating a little bit. Track with me, please. Luke writes, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. And this is really beautiful, but to wait for the Father's promise. What is the promise? This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And here's the key focus for today. When you see the word, but, it's very much a hinge word, but. You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses, Greek word there is marturos, martyrs, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Please be seated. So think continuity. From the Gospel of Luke to the book of Acts, we see in Luke that Jesus offers his life. Now he offers the promised Holy Spirit who will empower us. We see in the book of uh, Luke the seeds of the gospel being planted in Israel and watered. What are we going to see in uh, the book of Acts? Those seeds exploding throughout the Roman Empire. We see in Luke Christ crucified and risen. You know what we're going to see in Acts? He is ascended, he is exalted, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, according to Hebrews, acting as our great high priest. We see in Luke, Jesus, the Son of Man, the perfect man, the sinless one. We see in the church, the imperfect body of Christ. 
but still advancing the gospel. And so there's some beautiful realities here, but this morning our focus is on mission with God. And so I want to encourage you this morning, missions is not what we do. Missions is who we are. Jesus embodied that. He was always on mission with the Father. He summed up his life in John 17. Father, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Mission, the work, Calvary. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, hell, will not prevail against it. And so please know this, folks. Missions is not what we do. Although there is activity, there is methodology, but it's truly who we are. It is our identity. That's the key. And so if you're on page five in your digital download at home or here, here's the blessing. By embracing the values of Jesus, each one of us can live on mission with God. Friends, my passion this morning for me, for Ellen, for our home, our family, for you, for Westwind, is that we value what God values. And there's so much we could unpack in these eight verses, but we're gonna limit it to three values. Okay, so value number one, Begin with your local sphere of influence. Jesus is so calculated in how he gives these orders, these marching orders, if you will. Wait in Jerusalem. You know how long they waited? 10 days. They spent 10 days praying, interceding, fasting, seeking God, and then the Holy Spirit shows up. And the witness and work of the kingdom continued. And so, how do we do it? We begin in Jerusalem. Look at verses seven and eight again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem. And friends, basically, and this isn't rocket science this morning, but sometimes we forget it. I used to think that the epitome of the Christian life is, man, if you were like a medical doctor, you gave all that up, you took your family of six overseas to Timbuktu, you sacrificed everything for the gospel, you were on mission. Guess what? I was wrong. You know where mission starts? Probably the hardest mission field right now is your neighbor. It's walking across the lawn. It's building relationships in your sphere of influence. It's your coworkers. It's your friends. It's your immediate family and extended family. We start with our immediate sphere of influence, and would you agree it's hard? It really is. Why? We fear rejection. We wonder what they think. Sometimes we put our bumper sticker, you know, the ichthus, the fish, Jesus, I love Jesus, and we drive like a madman. That's such a good thing. And so we wonder. And so beginning there, beginning locally. You know, we've had some good testimonies. I shared one at the annual meeting about a gal uh, with Who's Your One. We did a mini-series during the Luke study, Who's Your One? And, you know, she walked into work, had a divine appointment, and had the opportunity to share the gospel. And that was her one that she had been praying for, looking for a divine appointment. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. I want to introduce you. Everybody, take one out. Hopefully, everybody has one. If you don't, we'll get the Van Bruggens. Come on, hold it up. Let me see. Van Bruggens, help me out. Everybody get a magnet? 
You guys throw magnets on your fridge, don't you? Or am I the only weird one? Everybody have one? Johnny got one? All right. Anybody need one? Here's the challenge right out of the gate as we go into Acts. We're going to try to make this as practical as practical can be. Two years ago, I got this magnet. Who's your neighbor? You know what Ellen and I did? We said, Lord, we're going to put it on our fridge. And we're going to ask you to help us build relationships with all our neighbors in our cul-de-sacs. There's 10 homes. Two years later, guess what? Our magnet's still on our fridge. The names of the couples and kids are there. We've gotten to know nine out of 10 families. Now, not only their names, but then their backstories. Just hanging out in the cul-de-sac, talking through life. Then, as we walk, we pray. And we are asking God progressively for just divine appointments, open doors to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So can I ask you, would you be intentional enough today, compassionate enough today to put this on your fridge, husbands, wives, couples, kids, and build relationships with your neighbors? Some of you have those already, but continue them. Extend it. I shared this just this past weekend with some friends in Chicago. And uh, he says, you know, I want one of those magnets because I haven't done a good job connecting the dots in my neighborhood. Folks, I haven't always either. But somehow we stumbled across this. We said we're going to do it, and God used it. So I'm going to call for a response right now. How many of you will say yes to putting this on your fridge and doing your best to intentionally connect more with your neighbors, pray for them, look for divine appointments? Let me see your magnet. All right, I'm going to hold you accountable. That's good stuff. And at home, here's the deal. We're here at the uh, Dartmoor property. Please stop by, grab a magnet. Anyway, we'll, we'll even deliver them. Um, anybody want to deliver some magnets? <laughs> Just send your email. We'll get, get out some, uh, what do you call those services? Uber. Yeah, no, the other one. Forget it, Uber. Yeah, Uber it. Lyft. I like Lyft better. Is it okay? <laughs> Why? Because they're cheaper. That's all. All right. Enough of that. Sorry, Tina. Are we okay? Don't want you to do the Paul thing on me. That's right. She's sitting down front and holding me accountable. All right. So let's start there. I think it's a great exercise. Uh, value number two. And again, this isn't rocket science, but truly we have to think through what is being taught here. Reach beyond your immediate geographic and cultural context. Go back to verse 8. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. You'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. But notice, in all Judea and Samaria. Why does Jesus bring that up? Well, he had to. You know why? Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They were separated geographically, but that's not the issue here. Samaritans and Jews, and we talked about that through Luke, were separated in hearts. There was incredible dissension, very similar to what we see, sadly, in Israel today. Yeah, the rockets were flying back then, too, and I'm not using that as a metaphor. They despised each other, and at times, war broke out. So now we have clarity. We're going to start here at home in Jerusalem. And yet, it's probably going to be easier to reach your own people, which they did. 
Acts 2, you know what happened. The Holy Spirit comes, 3,000 come to faith in Christ, get baptized in Jerusalem. Acts 3, Peter and John are going up to the temple. Silver and gold have I none. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, arise and walk. A lame man walks. They go into the temple. They start preaching again. They get arrested. But Acts 4 closes, says 5,000 men believed in Jerusalem. First four chapters are saying Jerusalem is advancing with the gospel. But it would have been so easy to neglect Samaria why there's hatred. They despised each other for centuries. Let me give you one picture of that. If you're familiar with John chapter 4. John chapter 4 says this. Jesus had to go through Samaria as he went up north to Galilee. Guess what? He didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, the normal route would have been two ways. Coastal highway, Transjordanian highway. These are the primary highways then and now. You never went through Samaria. When you're going from Jerusalem to Galilee, you don't go through Samaria. It just doesn't work even today with modern roads. You take the highways. So why did Jesus go through Samaria or have to go through Samaria? He wanted to visit his neighbor. A despised Samaritan, strike one. A woman, strike two and a prostitute, strike three. He goes there to engage her intentionally. You know why I know that? Here's why. He sends 12 of his disciples to go get lunch. Can you imagine? Why does he send 12 guys to high V? I mean, that'd be chaotic in and of itself. Where's the yogurt? Who knows? Where do I get the ham and cheese? Who cares? You sent a couple guys, right? And you, you figure it out. He sent all 12. Why? They wouldn't have let it happen. Hey, you can't be talking to this Samaritan woman, harlot. He got rid of them so he could do ministry. They show back up with the food. They see what happens. Her life's transformed. And then here's what happened, folks, and this is powerful. She goes back to Samaria, testifies of Christ, and many Samaritans believe through her testimony. That's the narrative. We work a lot at Westwind to help us feel comfortable with our testimony, to learn to articulate it, to share it in unique contexts and settings. Why? That's your God story. God works in you so you can influence others. Keep working on your testimony. Be an influence for others. It's beautiful. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want to show you something. Because Luke is so deliberate to say, this promise is being fulfilled in Acts. So I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to give you a macro this morning. And then we're going to come, come back and walk through 28 chapters. But if you have your Bibles, look at Acts 1.8. 8, 1, sorry. And Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered where? Don't miss this throughout Judea and Samaria. Folks, please hear me, because this is hard sometimes. When you read church history, when you read even the narratives in the book of Acts, there was a lot of persecution. Stephen lost his life. But God didn't waste that martyrdom. The apostles stayed put, but the church scattered, and people began to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in places they wouldn't naturally take it to. 
Yes, it was hard, but he used persecution to advance. Now let me show it to you. Verses four and five. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed the Christ there. It's starting to happen. You will be my witnesses. Cultural context, geographic context, and heart context. Let me summarize Acts 8, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. What's happening? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Galilee are now being reached for the kingdom and glory of God. Acts 1, 8 is being fulfilled. You will be my Marturos, martyrs, my witnesses. It's powerful. We have the privilege this morning to hear from one of our um, partners in missions. We, we love uh, what Brooke is doing. We pray for intervision. So Brooke is going to uh, share with you. You know, Westwind isn't a quote-unquote formal partner, but we pray. We know about the work. So come on down. Tell us about what God is doing outside our geography in a unique context. And thank you, Brooke. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have had the honor and privilege of working at InterVisions Healthcare for about five years now. Um, we are an unplanned pregnancy in STD medical clinic. Um, so the heart of our mission is to rescue women and children from the evil of abortion. So we are facing the, the giant in the sin of abortion. Um, and how we do that, um, in short, is we reveal the truth um, through medical information, first and foremost, about that pregnancy to the woman. And then the ultimate goal is to connect these women to truth himself, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is a, InterVisions is a place where people come to us broken. They recognize their need to be rescued. And so oftentimes that's a great opportunity to connect them to the Savior himself, um, so it is a Christ-centered ministry. We get to help in practical, tangible ways, and we get to um, ultimately be ambassadors for Christ there and bring him into the clinic. So as we go through um, Acts um, as a church, I would invite all of you to pray about um, this point number two, right? Going beyond our initial sphere of influence and listen to the call. I was a little bit of Jonah in the call, I would have to admit, um, but it was a clear call for me to go to InterVisions. And so I would just um, ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to show you. I think about um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I will tell you it didn't make sense why I was going to InterVisions initially. Um, and it sometimes doesn't make sense still, but I see God's hand at work, and um, he'll direct your paths um, if you trust in him. So um, if you guys want to know more about InterVisions, I am an open book. I will tell you everything that God is doing there and um, how great, um, how much his hand is upon that clinic is amazing. Um, and also I want to invite all of you to 
the gala this year. It's a 10th anniversary celebration. We will have a Westwind table, and it's, it's an open invitation. I will fill as many tables as I can. All you need to do is tell me, and I will register you. Um, and spoiler alert, there will be some testimonies of patients there um, that people in this body have prayed for, um, and just how God has transformed their lives. Um, they said yes to him, and um, so I would just invite all of you to that as well, and would love to talk more about that. Thank you, yeah. Oh, you don't need that. <laughs> We really appreciate that. We are going to the gala. We want to encourage you, if you have, not this Thursday, but two Thursdays from now free. It'll be a wonderful time. Hear about the ministry. Respond as the Lord leads you. So thank you so much. Value number three, and this, this I love this statement. Remember that the world is your parish. Remember that the world is your parish. Now, I know in, in our sphere of influence, we don't use the word parish, uh, P-A-R-I-S-H. But this comes back from a great man of the faith. His name is Charles Wesley. Anybody hear that name? Charles and John? Wesleyanism, Methodism. A global movement that began with a servant of God. Here's what happened to Charles. He got kicked out of his pulpit because he was too fiery of a preacher. They did not like what he was preaching. So he was pulpitless. He couldn't pastor, and this is in Great Britain. So he came to the conclusion by the spirit of the living God that the world is his parish. Read about Charles Wesley. Guess what? He preached wherever anyone would listen. Thus began the movement of revivalism, Wesleyanism, and the Methodist church. And certainly in the early stages, hundreds of years, it was a thriving, gospel-centered work. And so I think Wesley picked up on this idea to the ends of the earth. So where are we going to be witnesses? At home, our cul-de-sacs, at work, our sphere of influence. We're going to extend a little bit more beyond our geography and our cultural comfortability. But, folks, the world must be our parish or the kingdom of God will not come as intended. I was sharing with some folks recently about India, and they couldn't believe the data. 1.35 billion people, 78% Hindu, 20% Muslim, 1% evangelicals like us. Do you think there's a need in India? Do you think there's a need in India? And all God's people said, there's a need in India. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Sean, wake up. Say something. It's another thing we were talking about. I, I, we were hanging out. Remember, remember when I first, Ellen and I first came here? I told you the story about this guy in Chicago, and you'd be preaching. You'd be getting into it. He'd be like, so good. Well, I sat with him for a day this past week, and I re, was reminded that, oh, man, Give me a few so goods, would you? <laughs> Once a month. So good. All right, so where does this ends of the earth come from? Folks, it's not new. This isn't just New Testament acts. Genesis 12, 
I'm going to choose Abram, a pagan man. I'm going to bless the socks off him and his family. All families on earth will be blessed through Abraham's seed, Jesus. That's where it begins. You want a cool psalm that Israel sometimes forgot? Psalm 67. Let me read the first few verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine upon us. That's the doxology. That's that great God to, to Moses, to Aaron, bless the people. But what's the purpose for the blessing? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Psalm 67, God blesses us to be a blessing here at home to our, uh, you know, immediate uh, nation and then to the ends of the earth. Now, did the church get it? Turn to Acts 13, and I'm just going to summarize it. They're meeting now in Antioch, which is north of Jerusalem. There's a new base. There's a lot of leaders. The church is expanding, right? Judea, Samaria. And then what happens is the Spirit of God says this. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then what happens, folks, is the gospel expands to the Roman world. Luke is so intentional as he writes this missional document Why? Because Jesus was always on mission, seeking and saving lost people. And I tell you, during this series, we want to make it so simple, we want to make it so practical, but real. Let's start with our neighbors. Let's be intentional. Let's partner with inner vision-type ministries. Let's see the kingdom of God come And please don't forget or neglect what goes on overseas because the need is vast. Now, I want to give you four immediate action steps from the life of Christ. That was my focus. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Why do I have you turn there? Sometimes you get summary statements in the Bible. Sometimes it's just a narrative, things are passing through, a teaching. This is a summary statement. This is a hinge statement in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me read it to you. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. What a blessing. The harvest is out there, folks. But you know what the challenge is? But the workers are few. Pray to the Lord, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. Four quick action steps we can all uh, engage in patterning our life after Jesus. Number one, everyone can go. Everyone can go. That's just a fact. We can just go to our neighbors. We can build relationships. We can take a meal. We can shovel a, a driveway, mow a lawn, whatever it is. We can be there. Now think about it. All the towns and villages, Josephus gives us some help. Galilee is 70 miles north to south, 40 miles east to west. Josephus says there was 204 towns and villages averaging 15,000 people each, about 3 million people. It would take you six months of intentional going. 
to really reach all the towns and villages. Jesus was on mission. We should be on mission. Would you agree? Let's go. Let's pray. Let's be intentional. Secondly, whoop, got ahead of myself. Whoop, there it is. Everyone can empathize. And this is a really important point here. Look what happens in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We've talked much about Psalm 23, this whole metaphor of Luke 15, sheep, shepherd. A sheep is in trouble without a shepherd. We all know that, right? Just in trouble. Can you imagine Jesus looking out and saying, they're shepherdless. They're lost. They're being harassed. They're broken. They are in trouble. Please engage them. So last week, Ellen gets a call from Seth. It's Friday. Hey, Mom, got my cell phone stolen. Got a brand new iPhone. We kind of upgraded as of, well, what happened? I was just using my phone. Some dude ran by, grabbed it, and took off. Couldn't catch him. Are you serious? It's Saturday. Jacob calls. Hey, Mom. Got my cell phone stolen. So mom's a little bit stunned right now. There's somebody after the Missile Boys. These are twins, by the way, 26. What happened? You're not going to believe this. They're out at a restaurant, hanging out, building relationships, in community with people. Some duties hanging out with. They're getting to know each other for the first time. Felt like he was in a good space. The guy says, you know, let, let's, let's stay connected. How about we swap information? Jacob says, yeah, here, put your, put your contact information in my phone. At the right time, he bolted. That's Friday. That's Saturday. Guess what we heard from the boys? Mom, Dad, our roommate got his cell phone stolen. Same weekend. I'm not joking. Now, if you're Jacob, guess what? You're harassed. You're trying to build a relationship, create community in Minnesota, and you're deceived 100%. And I thought this guy was kind of cool and he was liking me. No. He's lying to you so he could steal a $1,000 phone. There's a lesson there, folks. Our world's broken. You know what mom and dad said? Think through what just happened. That's the broken world in which we live in. It's a picture of depravity and sin and harassness and helplessness. That is the normative story out there, folks. We were traveling. A couple cars broke down. One had a flat tire. Two African-American families. So we engaged any way we could help. Yeah, so I called AAA. And... Uh, I said, hey, went through the routine, gave him my number, we're here, love to help this family. Sorry, they're in a rental vehicle. Okay, call Enterprise, so they called Enterprise. I go into the coffee shop, come back out, and I just felt led by God to talk to one of the guys. I said, hey, this just is kinda, and we got talking. He said, I just lost my brother, who's 49 years old, aneurysm, died, boom, overnight. He said, I went through a divorce not too long ago, I'm pretty broken. And the list went on and on. I never met this guy. He had a flat tire. We were just trying to help. 
sense that I needed to talk to him, but there is the brokenness, the helplessness, the harassment from every aspect of life, and the kicker for him, he's fighting cancer. We prayed. There we are, just at Starbucks, circled up with one of my buddies, laid hands, and we prayed, God, please help this gentleman. Folks, that's not abnormal. I think that's more normal. Peel the layer of the onion back one or two slices, guess what? You'll see brokenness. It's everywhere. Jesus saw it. So we had compassion. Have that kind of compassion. Third, everyone can work. Would you agree? The harvest is plenty. Notice this. This is a challenge, folks, but the workers are few. That's a sad commentary on the kingdom of God. Time, treasure, talent, touch. Let's get back to kingdom work. How cool yesterday, some of you might have been at the Wildwood Hills Ranch helping out, beautifying the place. So our fourth and fifth graders went down there, some of the families heard there were a lot of weeds, a few spiders, but the place today looks more beautiful than it did a couple days ago. It's just that simple. Let's support a ministry that is gospel-centered in Judea and Samaria, another one of our partners. Now, finally, everyone can pray. We're going to follow up on this next week. We'll have a talk on prayer and hopefully some resources to encourage House of Prayer. So pray to who? The Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. This is kingdom living. This is what Jesus did, and we can follow in his footsteps. And all God's people said? Amen. All right. We're so good. I was waiting for so good, Tina. I'll do it one more time, right? And all God's people said? So good. All right. Can we stand together and we'll close in prayer? Let's pray together. Father, I personally say I'm sorry for falling short of these beautiful directives. And I know some of us feel like that here. We don't want to live in guilt and shame, Lord, but we do want to be on mission with you. We want to pattern our life after Jesus. So would you please, by your Holy Spirit, empower us to be witnesses, yes, in our own community, our unique context wherever you plan us, Lord. And oh boy, to the ends of the earth. That's a big task. But because you uh, led the way, Lord, we want to follow in your footsteps. So thank you for the privilege to worship you at home, here live. God, I pray in Jesus' name, just the simple thing of the magnets would change relationships in our neighborhood. I pray that you'll do that work, a supernatural work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.